if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed, and a good morning to you. Thanks so much for joining us. And Andrew, I'll thank you to push that little button over there that makes me not echo. I appreciate that. Eight minutes after nine o'clock as we get started on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. It's a Thursday, the twenty eighth morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord twenty. 20. We've got three big guests coming up on the program today, and I'm very much looking forward to speaking to all of them. Uh, even though we do have a lot of other things, I'm going to try to pack into the times uh, that we do not have guests scheduled, because uh, looting, rioting, uh, protesting... Uh, all going on as a result of that horrific, horrific situation in Minneapolis that I will start with in a moment. But just to let you know, we do have Pete Hegseth, Fox News uh, host, uh, Fox uh, Fox News weekend host as well, uh, and contributor. He will be joining us to uh, talk about what's going on in the world today, in, including Minnesota, and also to talk about his new book. Dr. Everett Piper will be joining us at 1010 this morning, as he does each and every Thursday. And coming up at 1035, a special treat, Senator Joni Ernst will be joining us as well, and she'll have some thoughts on what's going on with respect to reopening America, the 2.1 million new unemployment filings, because we are not reopening yet the way everybody suggests that we are, not nearly fast enough, 2.1 million more. We now are pushing that milestone of 40 million people unemployed, just the ones who filed and reported this. Because remember, there are a lot of independent contractors and others who don't and can't report uh, and uh, claim unemployment. But 2.1 million more filings, pushing up toward 40 million now, Americans who lost their jobs as a result of the pandemic. Rather, as a result of the response to the pandemic, not the pandemic itself. So uh, Pete Hegseth, Dr. Everett Piper, and Senator Joni Ernst on the program this morning. I do want to start, as I mentioned, with what happened in Minneapolis. And it's rare that we start shows these days without talking about the latest lies from Columbus and uh, uh, Mike DeWine and Dr. Labcoat and so on and so forth. But today, this demands our attention, first and foremost. Um, first of all, I said this on Twitter, or excuse me, on Facebook about three evenings ago. I guess it would have been Monday night. Um, this is indefensible. This is inexcusable. The death of George Floyd, a black man. Now, the the race of this is going to be a discussion that shouldn't be a discussion. 
that the, until we know somehow, some way, that the motivation of the police officer involved in the death of George Floyd had anything to do with race, it shouldn't be a factor, but it's going to be, like everything else in America. And that's really, really painful to say and to acknowledge and admit, but it's true. It should not be a factor. Until we know that the police officer responsible for the death of George Floyd was some sort of wild racist and who would not have put his knee on the neck of a white guy that he was arresting uh, in the very same circumstances. Now, maybe it's true. I don't know, though. But the immediate visceral reaction is white police officer knee on the neck of a, of a handcuffed, restrained black suspect, and automatically it's race war time in the United States of America. That's, that's the reality of the situation because of the race hustlers, the race baiters, and the racial arsonists who profit from this sort of narrative. So just get that out of the way right now. Black or white, or any other color or ethnicity, irrelevant. The fact of the matter is, and this is what I tweeted, or or, or Facebook posted, is that this was indefensible. Now, that may or may not mean a lot to you coming from me, but if you have listened to me at any time over the course of the last, you know, 15 years on Cleveland Radio, um, you know that I'm a very strong supporter of police. And I fight back against those who would disparage police. And I especially fight back when police are attacked for no reason whatsoever, but because they are police. And the faulty narrative, the flawed narrative, the flat-out false narrative that police officers are racists who are always targeting black men, unarmed black men to be more specific, uh, and, and they don't do such things to whites. All of those false narratives there have been books written on these things right all of those false narratives have led me and a lot of other people to say what are you doing you are creating a nation of anarchy and chaos when you teach people to hate the police and accuse them of vile terrible things like that so i've become very defensive of our friends in blue because they are our friends they are the, the line that separates uh, safety from, from danger. Because let's just face it, we live in a very dangerous world. We live in a very dangerous society. There are a lot of violent threats out there. There are a lot of criminals who would like to do harm to you for only either one of two things. Or for, for their own profit, because they're going to take something from you. Or for their own sense of, of satisfaction, because they're just flat out bad people who like hurting other people. Who's going to stop them? We ask the police to stop them. And thanks to the Second Amendment, if the police officer isn't around in time, we sometimes have to stop them ourselves. But the truth is we would rather have police do it if they can. So I've always defended the role of the officer and the integrity of the police officer, the generic faceless police officer who just volunteers to do this this very dangerous duty. And when I say volunteers, of course they get paid, but I mean there are a lot of ways to make a living that are a lot safer than being a police officer. And they volunteer to put themselves on the line to make that their living, to contribute that to society. And the vast majority of police officers, the extraordinarily, almost unanimous amount of number of police officers, 
are good cops who would never do anything to harm people unless they had to harm somebody in order to protect someone else. So having said that, with an unblemished record of support for police officers, I am also supporting police officers when I call out bad police officers or bad, uh, bad actions by police officers. I think that the people the most upset by what happened in Minneapolis, Minnesota, are good, honest law enforcement officers because they know how much harder their job just got because of the actions of this indefensible crime, I'm going to call it committed against a Minnesota resident. Now, if you don't know the story, uh, uh, the the man who was arrested, George Floyd, who was arrested, was arrested for um, forgery, essentially trying to pass uh, um, funny money, uh, a phony $20 bill. So he was arrested for that. Okay, no big deal. It's a nonviolent crime. He was arrested, and he was taken into custody, and according to multiple videos, he did not resist arrest. But still, after he was handcuffed, they took him by the police car, and when the video comes back on, essentially, is the way that we'll say it, because I haven't seen anything that shows the entire video, like the body cam from the moment of arrest to where the video picks back up, but he is lying face down next to the police car with a police officer's knee on his neck, and he is saying to him, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Um, The officer, and he's handcuffed, the officer just kneels on his neck, casually conversing with three other officers who were nearby. Meanwhile, of course, a crowd is gathered around who could hear the man saying, I can't breathe. They were screaming at the three other officers, begging them to tell the the officer with his knee on his neck to let the man up, or at least not let him up, but take your knee off his neck. He can't breathe. And none of the three acted. None of the three other officers moved to stop the officer with the knee on the neck. That went on for nearly six minutes of a man not being able to breathe with his neck being compressed against the ground by the knee uh, with almost the full weight of the officer on it. Uh, it's extraordinarily hard to watch. It's extraordinarily hard to comprehend. It's also extraordinarily criminal. It's a criminal act. Okay? Again, the man wasn't trying to get up and run. The man was handcuffed, uh, so it's not like he could have been fighting. Um, it was it was horrible. It, it looks like one of these cases, and we all, you know, look, we live in the United States of America, and I will say about the, these officers the same thing I say about everybody. They are entitled to the presumption of innocence because that's the way our legal system works. But... Once this thing gets to a court of law and this video is introduced, it's, it's going to be very, very hard to presume any innocence. It's going to be very easy to see and say, this was, what I said, indefensible. Now, having said that, those four officers have already been fired. Investigations are underway at a multitude of levels, local, state, and yesterday President Trump called for federal investigations from the FBI and the Department of Justice. It is expected that these officers, at least the one whose knee cut off the airflow to the to the to the uh, uh, brain of uh, of this this man George Floyd, at least he uh, is expected to be arrested for this and will stand trial for it. The other three, for essentially doing nothing to stop it, may as well. 
And that is how justice works. It's going to have to work that way. There's going to have to be a trial. Now, having said all of that, that this cannot happen and this should not happen, the other thing that cannot happen and should not happen is what happened last night across this country. In Minnesota, but not just Minnesota where this took place, people took the death of a man in custody of police who should not have been in that restraint position, which is not a tactic or a hold or a restraint technique that is taught by police officers anywhere. They are using this terrible death to commit criminal actions themselves. These are not protesters who are rioting and looting and burning and attacking innocent people and property. These are criminals themselves. And I don't want to hear while they were frustrated and angry. A lot of people get frustrated and angry and they don't commit crimes as a result of it. They used this horrible incident as a reason for personal uh, enrichment by looting stores. And quite frankly, uh, they used it as a reason to perhaps vent their own criminal intent by burning and destroying. They attacked police cars at a Black Lives Matter protest in Los Angeles. That's right. Not Minneapolis where this happened, but in Los Angeles. They looted and destroyed a Target store in Minnesota. Just mobs of people bursting through the broken windows and going shopping for free. How does this protest the death of George Floyd? This is not protesting. This is criminal violence. They looted a Cub Foods store. They burned the American flag. They set fire to and burned an AutoZone store and took selfies in front of the fire. Cheese! What does this do for the legacy and for the memory of George Floyd? Would he be supporting this, I wonder? I don't know. Nobody knows anything about him. But I kind of kind of assume that this wouldn't exactly be the best way to honor a man or the best way to protest a man's untimely death. Even if you consider it a murder, which is very, very likely, which is kind of what it looks like to me. Maybe not an intentional murder. I don't think the knee on the neck was intended to cause loss of life. But it's at least second degree, or at least it's negligent homicide, because this this six minutes of kneeling on a neck, how could you not think that this might uh, cause some serious damage? They tried bank robbery. Thugs attacked the police department itself. They attacked civilians. They attacked, and I just tweeted this before the show started, they attacked a disabled white woman in a wheelchair who just happened to be in the wrong place, apparently, at the very wrong time. They violently assaulted her for just being there. And because what I said at the beginning is the reality of the situation, that everything boils down to race, I think it's probably safe to say they had just attacked her for being white. She was victimized by a hate crime. She was assaulted in horrible ways just for being white. 
A man with a Trump sticker on his car was pulled out of his car while they destroyed it and then assaulted him, punching him for being white in an area where where protests by black community people were uh, 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 were were incensed by the death of George Floyd, an innocent man beaten up in his car vandalized because it said Trump on it and because he was white. This is also indefensible. The actions of the officer, officers, plural, are indefensible. The reaction by hordes of people who are no more protesters than I can... There's no way to describe them as protesters, but the actions of those people, the reactions, are criminal acts. And I hope everybody involved in criminal activity in this sad, horrific case ends up behind bars. After due process, of course, but everybody. 923, we'll take a short time out on AM 1420, The Answer. mentioned in uh, part of my opening commentary about the race baiters and the race hustlers and the racial arsonists who try to perpetuate this uh, this uh, interminable div- uh, divide against uh, or between amongst ourselves, I guess is the best way to say that. And let me give you the best example of it. Don Lemon on CNN last night, speaking on the death of George Floyd, which was tragic and, as I said, I believe is going to have been proven to be criminal when it's all said and done. That's not good enough for him to hold a police officer accountable. He has to blame white people in general, all police officers specifically, and President Trump. This this is what kills and destroys America. Quite scary frankly. it is for someone to watch that and think. But that that's the problem, Chris. It doesn't. It's not that it happens. It happens a lot. We just don't see it. It does not happen a lot. It does not happen a lot. Don Lemon is doing what he does on a nightly basis. He is lying to you. There is a reason it is such a huge story when something like this does happen, because it happens extraordinarily rarely. We're just seeing from the video, this is, this is the reason that Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee. And then people were upset, and the President of the United States having the nerve to call him and others who were standing up for this sort of injustice, to call him sons of... I'm not going to. I'm not going to play what he just said there and repeat it, uh, or allowed him to repeat it es- essentially. But he's essentially blaming President Trump uh, for condemning Colin Kaepernick and others who are just a- wearing angels' wings as they protest these things that happen all the time. People are standing up so that it doesn't lead to this, so that you aren't sitting at home saying, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe this! Look at what they're doing to this man." This happens all the time. This is why he was doing it, and the the nerve and the gall of people. To say, oh my gosh, stop doing this. I want to enjoy my football game. Now think about that now in this context. How selfish that sounds. And how you, how you might feel if that was your loved one on the ground. And that there were people who have been protesting this all along and who are, who have been fed up for years. And they're trying to get your attention. 
Don Lemon might as well just change his name to Don Victim. I have never seen a human being in, a, in the public eye with the platform that he has play the victim card as often and as pathetically and as, and as just completely irresponsibly as he does. He would rather foment racist battles in the streets in defense of people like Colin Kaepernick rather than just taking this situation for what it is. And, oh, by the way, we don't even know what it is. We know that it was absolutely wrong what was done to George Floyd. Do we know that the motivation was in any way race? No, we do not. But don't let that stop the professional victim. Pete Hegseth will join us next right here on 1420 The Answer. I'm Bloomberg Radio. Nine thirty-five. We continue now on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I don't even like the end of that uh, little uh, uh, report. No, Twitter didn't fact check the president. The Twitter Washington posted the president, and the, and and Twitter CNN'd the president. Those are not exactly fact checkers. That's a problem for me. We're going to talk more about that coming up. Who knows? Maybe we'll talk about that with our next guest. Uh, let's bring him on now. Pete Hegseth. You know him well as a co-host of Fox and Friends Weekends, a Fox News uh, senior political analyst and a frequent commentator across all of the Fox News and Fox business platforms. Now you can add outstanding author to that as well. Pete Hegseth has written American crusade our fight to stay free recently re- released i know you can get it on amazon because i'm staring at it right now pete hegseth hegseth joins us now on am 1420 the answer pete good to have you here how are you sir great to be here doing well thanks for having me oh it's a pleasure i really really enjoy your work i do i i i do not miss many fox shows uh and anytime i know you're going to be on i always make sure uh to stay through that because i really appreciate your common sense uh, approach Thank to you. everything uh, and, and especially your dedication to this country, the service that you provided this country quite literally, and I think you provided a different kind of service now. So big fan, and I appreciate you being here. Well, um, very kind of you. Thank you. Uh, it, it's a pleasure. You know, before we get into some of the issues that you discuss in your book and just some of the issues that we're facing right now as a country, I, I'm, I'm just un, unable to explain or, or to comprehend or to understand what is going on across this country as a result of that horrific situation in, in Minneapolis. How does burning and lighting fires and stealing televisions and shoes and, and looting targets and auto zones and so on and so forth, how does that effectively uh, protest the, the, the terrible death of a, of, a, of a civilian at the, I won't say at the hands, but quite literally at the knee of a police officer in a terrible situation in Minneapolis? I don't understand why this has, has exploded in the kind of violence that it has. Why is violence being used to protest what, what is no doubt a violent act? Pete Hegseth, can you hear me? Do we lose him? I, I can't quite hear. I'm here. I'm here. I got there you, you are. Okay. Sorry about me? that. I don't, Sorry. I, don't know if you... I was on mute, unfortunately. I don't know why. No, I tell you, <laughs> there's no justification for it at all. Uh, and, and listen, it's because police departments are being put in impossible situations. No one, we're learning more and more about what happened. No one's defending the actions of that officer. Uh, swift action was taken. And that is, of course, the exception to the rule of the 99.9% of law enforcement who do an amazing job on behalf of all of us. But, but the script has been written and reinforced by uh, left-wing politicians and mayors for years that, hey, this is what we have to do, let, them, let people burn off steam. And it, apparently absolute lawlessness is justified. And if a cop were to take the kind of action necessary to prevent the looting, of course, it would put that law enforcement officer in an impossible situation where they would look 
heavy-handed in light of the lawlessness happening. So it should not be tolerated at all. The problem is you've got left-wing mayors uh, who are who you know have time and time again been willing to throw law enforcement under the bus when they're not doing something wrong. So you you have to split the two up, treat the incidents. I'm I'm from Minnesota. I was born and raised just north of Minneapolis and St. Paul, and the mayor there. Um, has has created an environment, uh, not just in this moment, but in other moments of lawlessness, of catering to violent protesters, and we shouldn't be surprised as to why we get this. You know, Pete, you're, you you you've got a combat mentality, right? I mean, literally, you you you've served in in Iraq and Afghanistan and worked at Gitmo. You you have a combat mentality. If you're an officer, though, and you see not just property being damaged, we're not just talking about looting and fires, but but a, a, a wheelchair bound disabled woman was attacked violently for being there because I believe because this has become a racial thing because she's white. A man with a Trump sticker on his car was pulled from his car and punched and beaten while they uh, vandalized his car again because of the trump sticker presumably and because he was white as as if you were working as a police officer with your mentality of protecting can you just sit by and watch that stuff uh in in your instinct no but let me tell you everything it, it as it pertains to combat or policing comes back to leadership and the environment of whether or not your mayor or your police chief will have your back Yes, you raise your right hand to defend your community and the law and equal justice under the law and, and enforcing that. But imagine being in a city where if you take a bold action and take a risk, um, then if you make one mistake or even if you take that action, you will be deemed the bad guy in that environment. It puts these police officers in a terrible position to not be able to follow their instincts, which is to protect the most vulnerable and step in in those lawless situations. So I through that combat lens, I'm not saying I understand their inaction, but you can certainly you can certainly look at it and say, "Hey, I got a family, I got a life, I got a job, and if my mayor and police chief's not going to have my back, then my hands are very much tied." And and in taking that action puts me at greater risk. Uh, it, but it just becomes this self fulfilling cycle where then no one takes action and lawlessness is bred. So I don't blame the individual police officers. I mean. It, it's it's a it's a it's a really really tough spot for them. I point mm-hmm. to the leadership, which has always been willing to sort of throw the cops under the bus. Yeah, I completely concur. It is leadership, and uh, it's the atmosphere these officers find themselves in through no fault of their own, yes. well, with the exception of the individual officer or officers in this case in the death de- death of Correct. George Floyd, which looks completely indefensible. Uh, Pete Hegseth is our guest. His uh, new book is American Crusade. Uh, subtitled Our Fight to Stay Free. It could not be more prescient, I think, that you titled this book a long time ago uh, when you wrote it uh, right now, because we literally are in a fight to become free again, free yeah. of some of the tyranny and some of the authoritarian um, orders that have been handed down by governors and state health directors all over this country. We just saw the new numbers, Pete. 2.1 million more unemployed uh, filings this past week. That's nearly 40 million now in the eight or eight, and a half, uh, eight or nine weeks that um, uh, since the COVID virus led to all of these uh, lockdowns and shelter-in-place orders. Uh, and now we're trying to get free again, and it seems like it is a struggle. We're, we're, we're swimming or you know into a... Uh, um, that's a bad analogy, I guess. We're running into a headwind is a better way to say it for me. I'm not a swimmer yeah uh, but but we really are we're fi- we're really really fighting hard to become free again and it seems like particularly in a lot of these blue states with blue governors they don't want to free us again pete no they want control and they want the power once they have it they don't want to relinquish it and they don't have respect for individual citizens to make their own choices and their own risk calculations i mean i wrote the entire book before COVID 19 mm-hmm. uh and then here we are in this yeah 
here we are in this moment, and the title is American Crusade, but the subtitles become more important. It is our fight to stay free. And when you see it laid naked before you, where a government says, okay, we need two weeks, three weeks, a month to slow the curve so that we can catch up, so we've got hospital capacity. And then the president rightfully gives authority to the states and uh, respecting federalism. And then these governors absolutely ignore uh, the, 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 the fiscal and emotional and psychological well-being of their citizens, just telling them, and it's very patronizing. It's, okay, just stay at home. Well, you can stay at home, and other people can stay at home, and government, government workers who are, who are deemed essential or non-essential, they're still going to have the tax dollars backing their paycheck. But private entrepreneurs and small business owners can't stay closed for three months. You know that. And you can't stay at 25% capacity as a restaurant owner and hope to, 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 to make any money. That's called bankruptcy. Uh, over time. So it is, it, we're at a moment where I'm, I'm hoping people who are even apolitical that don't follow this every day like we do are waking up to the reality. And a lot of these, I call it the revolt of the salon owners and the gym owners and the, and the barber shops who say, you know, this is, this is utterly disrespectful to us. Our job is essential to us. We can do it better than the big box stores. We can, we can social distance. We can take all the precautions. And oh, by the way, the giant caveat over the entire thing is, if you don't want to go out, you don't have to. You can stay home still, but allow people to make their own choice. And, and that it, it, it lays before us the, the difference between leftism, which has captured the Democrat Party, and Americanism, which is what I argue in the book. Pete, who can we trust? And, 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 and it's a very open question, but, but more specifically, do you trust the CDC? Or do you trust uh, the WHO? Do you trust President Trump? Do you trust any of these governors? Do you trust the statistics? Do you trust that any of this is what we were told it was, especially when now that we're finding out that some 75 to 80% of the deaths are in nursing homes, not in the general population, especially when we're finding out that they're overcounting the deaths. Anybody, if you, you, could, you could be on in hospice care dying of cancer, and somebody says you're symptomatic of COVID, they're going to put it down as a COVID death. Is yeah. there anybody we can trust to really understand what happened, what is happening, and to get us out of this mess? I don't know. I mean, I certainly trust the president's best intentions, and I think he's handled this as well as he can, considering the information, uh, how wrong the models were, how wrong the experts were. He's adapted and switched quickly. Do I trust the WHO? Of course not. There's not a single international institution that I believe has America's best interest in mind. You know who I trust? I trust individuals. I trust uh, individual business owners and, and customers and people and patriots to make decisions for their own lives, listening to the, 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 the best guidance they can sort of sift through to figure out what, what makes sense and what doesn't. We're Over time, in an aggregate sense, we've gotten a better sense of who this virus impacts, as you alluded to, with nursing homes and, and you know people 80, 85 years old and, and younger, but both, the majority of the deaths are in that age range. Uh, you, the premise of America is that our rights are endowed by a creator, not by a governor, and that ultimately we as free people uh, have the right to chart the course of our own lives. And, and so we, I want to trust in men. I want to trust in institutions. But history time and time again tells us they will fail us. And so it, it is faith. It is freedom. It is individual choice that I think we've always been respected with and what we have to elevate as, as lovers of freedom right now.
Pete Hegseth is joining us. You know Pete, of course, from Fox News, Fox and Friends Weekends. Uh, he's a Fox News senior political analyst. He is a 12-year veteran uh, serving in the U.S. Army in Iraq, Afghanistan, and at Guantanamo Bay. And uh, Pete, you mentioned the president. You said his, his intentions have been the best, and he's doing the best he can. I agree. Uh, I think it's an impossible situation that he found himself in, and I think he's doing everything he can to convince governors to stop uh, the, you know, the long-term incarceration and house arrest of the people because of all of the reasons that you laid out. How is this going to play come November? How much of a role will what he did in, in the coronavirus time uh, and, of course, what it has done to the economy, which was his easily his number one case for reelection? Now that that is gone and now that the COVID-19 yeah. response is going to be evaluated, what does this do to him in November? Uh, I think this is all a referendum on President Trump. I mean, you've got Joe Biden in his basement, uh, literally incapable of stringing sentences together. This is not... I mean, that will play a, a factor. There will be debate uh, in October, and Joe Biden will be forced to sort of defend his record and, and, and actually show that he's capable of the job. At some point, he'll have to emerge for real. But, yeah, I, I do – listen, I think the fall of this year and what happens with the economy and how it recovers will be significant. And that's what worries me about how blue state governors or even swing state governors may play – uh, that reopening, in light of the fact we're going into flu season, we could have a second wave. The president has said, said we're, not, we're not locking down again. I mean, we could see a real muddled showdown in September or October right in front of the election. And I, I, just, I think the president know, has a finger on the pulse of what people are looking for, has proven that he's able to revive our economy and put it, uh, put it exactly where it needs to be while prioritizing uh, you know, American manufacturing and American jobs. Uh, he'll stick to that message. The economy won't be what we want it to be. But I think the fact that he's wrestled this uh, to the ground from the beginning, taking it head on, first at the press conferences and now traveling around the country and, and, and taking on the misinformation, puts him in a good spot. Find me one supporter of the president that has left him uh, because of COVID-19. That's not happening. The question is, do people feel like they've been respected enough and supported and protected enough uh, who, who, are, who are swing voters? to go in his direction. I, I certainly like his chances for re-election, but it'll be all an all-out onslaught from the haters and the media uh, to go after him, make him look bad. And thankfully, so far, he's taken him on pretty darn well. Pete, last thing, uh, as we get into the Pete Hexeth, again, his book is American Crusade, Our Fight to Stay Free. Um, as we analyze all of this, the president, of course, is going to continue to continue to try to get his message out there via Twitter. And, and I need to get your thoughts on what happened uh, this week as uh, Jack Dorsey and the figureheads, um, the liberal power brokers and, and uh, administrators at, at Twitter have decided they're going to attach little tags to the president's tweets, uh, links to yeah. fact checks, as they call them, fact checks about whatever it is that the president tweets. Now, I'm not a huge fan of the president's use of Twitter. Sometimes I think it's counterproductive. Sometimes I think he tweets things that are not going to help him get reelected, and I wonder why he did those things. But he has to be free to tweet what he wants without being, quote, fact-checked, just like, well, the Chinese communist government does, just like Adam Schiff <laughs> does, just like uh, Jerry Nadler and Nancy Pelosi tweet all kinds of inaccurate, dishonest things all the time, and they go fact-check free. This cannot be allowed, can it, Pete? Well, no, it can't. And, you know, he's going to lead the charge on this. Uh, we know these companies are run by leftists. It's a joke. You mentioned it when I was first coming on that CNN and the Washington Post are the fact checkers. Listen, all of these folks that work for Twitter are leftists. There's a front page article in the New York Post. I get it delivered to my home about the guy who's in charge of this 
you know, they, they look at his Twitter feed, and he's bashing Trump supporters all over the place. We know exactly who they are. I've been banned from Twitter for posting the, 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 the messages of, of a terrorist and what he said before the terrorist attack. I mean, they are coming after conservatives no matter what. We all know it. He's doing an executive order today. Hopefully it's, it's strong in scope. And, you know, eventually the only guy that can change Twitter's grip is Trump, and he could go to another platform. I've argued for that. Go to another platform that protects free speech. When the president goes, everyone goes with him. Uh, the media is forced to cover what he writes there as well. I mean, get out, get out of these bastions of leftism and start to find our own places where free speech can live. That might be part of the answer. But listen, I, I, I'm actually a big fan of the tweets. I'm, I don't apologize for the ones I don't like because they, 90% of them are so valuable um, that it's his prerogative. And, and I, I just think to think that the leader of the free world is effectively being censored uh, and, 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 and fact-checked, which is garbage, by leftists is just another example of how much they hate him. It absolutely is, and it's indefensible what they're doing. And again, it would be one thing if they were doing it to everybody. If Adam Schiff got those little tags and fact-checked sure. by, by Breitbart or by Fox News or something, uh, it would be but one thing. they won't do it to their friends. No, no. They won't, they won't, they're their friends. They're, all, they're one and the same. Exactly right. Exactly right. Pete Hegseth. Pete, really, really appreciate you coming on. Like I said, I'm a big fan of your work on, and I'm not saying that because you're on the air with me right now, but seriously, I enjoy you on Fox. I certainly have such great deep respect Thank for you. your, your, your service to this country in the United States Army. And uh, keep up the great work and best of luck with well, it. Well, I appreciate it. Without Fox and without what you do on talk radio, this country would be a very different place. So thank you for what you do. Uh, it is a pleasure. Thank you, Pete. Pete Hegseth joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Again, he is uh, straight uh, from Fox News. He is all over the place. He's on every program day and night that they want him to be there, and he provides excellent analysis all of the time. Uh, so thank you to Pete Hegseth. We'll take a quick time out now. We'll come back, get a call or two in before the top of the hour. Dr. Everett Piper after the top of the hour, right here on The Authority. Okay, 9.57, we continue on uh, in 1420 The Answer. Thanks again to Pete Hegseth. Uh, great stuff. And uh, uh, the book, American Crusade, is a must-read. You really want to make sure you pick that up. Um, we're getting a little bit of information now, going back to the Minnesota story that we started the show with today. We're getting some information about the officer. What I said at the top was his actions are indefensible, no matter what his record looks like, no matter what his uh, history is. Uh, his actions were indefensible here. And and what I also said was, is we don't know anything about this cop. Was it racially motivated in any way? Would he have done the same thing if it was a white suspect? We don't know. We need to le- learn more about this officer's record. And we need to learn, learn, learn a little bit more about who he is and why he did what he did. Uh, I think that's extraordinarily important because right now the country is at a very dangerous tipping point with fires being set, assaults being carried out, vandalism, looting, rioting going on in different cities across the country um, based on race. People who are white are being attacked by mobs of black people in certain circumstances because, uh, well, the African-American uh, uh, mood is is one of of anger and 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 perhaps vengeful you know some vengeful feelings because of what was done to this person and they hear people like Don Lemon saying this happens all the time this is what what's going on is that white people are constantly uh, assaulting or attacking black people and white officers and all of this stuff is racially uh, has been racially tinged let's phrase it that way um, so we need to know does this officer have any racism in his history. 
Or is this just, you know, coincidental that this, uh, this, this action was taken against this guy and his race is, you know, absolutely irrelevant to the situation? So we're learning a little bit more so far this morning. Literally within the last 30 minutes, this report from Yahoo News. The Minneapolis police officer seen kneeling on the neck of an unarmed black man, heard saying, I can't breathe multiple times before he died, was a 19-year department veteran who was the subject of a dozen police conduct complaints that resulted in no disciplinary action. The officer uh, has been praised for valor during his career, also once had to fire his weapon during an encounter, an encounter with a suspect, according to records. The officer's name is Derek Chauvin. He and three other officers were fired from the Minneapolis Police Department one day after the incident involving George Floyd. Um, To be the subject of a dozen complaints over a two-decade career would appear a little bit higher than normal, said Mylon Masson, a retired Minneapolis Park police officer and longtime police training expert. But, she said, anyone can file a complaint against an officer, whether it's valid or not. And that's very true. That's a good point. Officers might be subject to more complaints if they deal with the public more often. Either way, an officer's disciplinary record would be up for scrutiny in any legal proceeding. So he's had a dozen complaints filed against him, but none of them resulted in any disciplinary action, meaning either the complaint was invalid and there was no reason to to discipline him, or they let him skate. Don't know. But that's what we have thus far about this individual. They're just starting to scratch the surface of his record, but they're going to have to find out. And like I said before, it's important to find out about his record with respect to um, racial involvement in any way whatsoever. Because, again, these fires and these looting and these riots that are going on right now are being perpetuated by the black community in a lot of cities on behalf of the black victim in this particular situation that looks most certainly like an indefensible crime. So if race is going to matter in the uh, reaction, we need to find out whether race was a factor at all in the action of the officer. And that's something that we'll just keep continuing to watch. Okay, 10 o'clock, we'll get news now. Dr. Everett Piper next.